Welcome to Veterans Connected, where maintenance and reliability expert and military veteran Eric Bevavino connects with fellow veterans in industry during each episode, where they exchange their experiences and discuss the transition from the military to industry and the paths and resources that led them to where they are today. The Veterans Connected podcast is proudly produced by the industry's leading network and learning community, Mobius Connect. Eric, over to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Eric Bevino, host of the Mobius Connect podcast, focused on connecting military veterans to the maintenance and reliability community. My aim here is to bridge the understanding gap between the military and civilian worlds, thereby improving the veteran transition journey and ultimately providing hope and helping hand to any of our brothers and sisters out there struggling to find their way. We'll do this by interviewing veterans who have successfully made it through. For this session, we've chosen to interview one such Marine Corps veteran, Butler Fuquay, whose fascinating and patriotic story is a must-listen for anyone interested in joining us on this mission. Hey, Butler, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you are our first Marine Corps guest, if you can believe it. Oh. So... We finally got the Marines. Wow. Yeah, I think we've got everybody else, including the Coast Guard. So you're the first Marine Corps guest. So that is quite an honor. I'm I'm really happy to hear it. And you're one of the younger folks that we've had on the podcast. So I think your more recent experiences will be very relevant to our listeners. So welcome. Glad to talk to you. Where are you coming very from cool. today? Where, where are you at in this world today? Yeah, so today you are hearing me from Kailua, Hawaii, which is nice. on the island of Oahu, same island as uh, Honolulu, for those that aren't familiar with. And so, yeah, I did not start my life here, uh, but this is where I'm at now. Been a lot of different places. Well, cool. Tell us about that. Uh, where did you come from? What were your influences growing up? And, you know, what were your, why did you join the Marine Corps? I mean, who who wants to join the Marine Corps? I mean, the the uh, the ads are really cool, right? And it's, yeah. it's it's a very cool job. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think this is partly recruiting as well. But uh, what led you to the Marines? Probably a better way to say it. Right. So it was somewhat kind of baked into my upbringing. My dad uh, joined the Marine Corps uh, during Vietnam. Mm. And he, so he joined, joined during that time and he got out. And by the time, by the time I was born, he was uh, full-time in the national guard. So I grew up with a sense of military in the home. Cause my dad is a, is a Marine Corps veteran and was uh, active duty um, national guard through the entire, you know, my entire formative years. And so I, you know, everybody, every little boy wants to be just like their dad uh, in the world I was in. And so I grew up saying, yeah, I'm going to be in the army thinking that was kind of everything. And, uh, you know, it was definitely an era of like, um, of really honoring military and looking up to that. And that being something that's just a lot of people in my circle wanted to be, I grew up in a, let me say a, a small town in Alabama. So hmm. rural, small town, USA. And when I, when I say small, I mean, small population, 1000 people, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was really small, um, uh, little town, and so I I grew up with that. But then when I started to be like maybe middle school, high school age, I started to kind of detach from that. Like maybe I I don't have I could do other things, and I really this um, this desire to be a filmmaker started mm. just really um, growing like more inside of me. I, I wanted, I was, I've always been a cinephile. I've always been really passionate about movies, but then I started thinking like, could I do that instead? And then I had buddies who were seniors in high school that were older than me that joined the Marines and it kind of got planted a seed. Like I want to do that. And then I went back and forth a lot. And then um, I was, when I graduated high school, I was working at some sort of co-op program to where um, my actually my senior year, I started working there where I would go to go to work for half a day and then go to school for half a day. And when I graduated, I went into their like kind of apprenticeship program and they told me what classes to take in college and I would get a certificate. And I don't know. I, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know how to leave my small town. I didn't know how mm. to go. You know, this is before everybody had like a smartphone, like just right before everyone had a smartphones and, and all that became so ubiquitous. And um, the only grid that I had for for pursuing my dreams was to like maybe go to film school or something. And I, that just seemed out of my reality. 
Um, and one day my buddy said, Hey, I'm going to go to the Marine recruiters for lunch. Do you want to come with me in between work and class? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, they're going to try to get me, but they're, they're not going to get me. No, because, <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, you know, I was there when they came to the school and did a presentation and I saw them grab my friends up. And then like when I was younger, they, they had me gung ho wanting to go. And I thought they're going to try and get me. They're not getting me. And, um, while we're, um, in the recruiter's office, <laughs> I, I, uh, I said right up front, I'm like, I'm not joining. I'm here for him. I'm just chilling. I'm hanging out. Like I'm just, I'm just here. And surprisingly that worked because if you've never ran into a Marine Corps recruiter, they can be extremely persuasive, charismatic mm-hmm. in anything. Um, you know, the air force recruiters, like they can kind of sit back and just kind of take number, take a number right? <laughs> but the, <laughs> right. across the hallway where the Marine Corps recruiters are there. They're fighting to get people in there. They're very, mm. very good at what they do. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. Yeah. It's just the way it is. They're very, um, and so, uh, surprisingly enough, they actually left me alone when I said that. Um, and, but they're sitting there talking to my buddy and I hear them start to pitch the whole college thing. You could, cause we were going to college, but we were told what classes we had to take. And it was, there were all these parameters and all this. And I was like, that got my attention. I said, I, I can do anything. And he was like, yeah. And I thought this might be my ticket out of here. And this might be, I need to, I need to consider this. Um, if I'm going to be realistic about, did I do everything to achieve the life that I want to fulfill? I don't want any stone unturned. So that kind of reopened that desire, right? I already had a lot of years and thought about joining and that kind of like basically detonated it. And very quickly, I forgot the deal. Yeah, Yeah, that was like, hmm, that kind of watered that seed um, that was planted. And so very quickly, excuse me, I forgot about the reasons why I initially wanted to join. And it just, it just became about being a Marine, like mm. hook, line and sinker. I was in, I wanted to join. I wanted to, you know, have a not have a K bar in my teeth and be low crawling through some, you know, action. <laughs> Jesse Puller, wanted, right? Yeah. 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 Jesse Puller right on. And so, you know, calling my parents, like, like any um, young kid um, calling their parents and said, Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm joining the Marines. And then like two within two months later, I was gone. Uh, so my poor parents had to had to go through that. That was completely uh, out of the blue for them. And what, what's interesting, what did your dad uh, say? I'm just I'm curious. I mean, what did your dad say? Being a, a Vietnam vet and and a, a military person, was he what, proud? Congratulations, or like, oh no, you know, my son's going off to war, or what? I mean, how how did he react to that whole bit of news? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Oh, all the above. above. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. It was, um, you know, at first it was like, oh, okay, good. Neat idea. He, he, I think he kind of thought we would like, you know, I'd go to him, we'd talk about it maybe sometime next year, have a plan. It was kind of, uh, but then when he realized like, (laughs) this is happening, like my, this is actually happening. I think like very reasonably enough, like any father, he, you know, there's a bit of, uh, don't leave, stay. And he tried, he tried to very wisely coach me into at least before you commit, at least talk to all the other services too. Mm. Uh, talk to the air force, talk to this should have listened to him, but, um, you know, <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> but instead you I had your be, path and you were on yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. 18. You can't right. tell me nothing. Yeah. Like I've, yeah. the recruiter told me all I need, I'm good to go. And so, yeah, I, I didn't even bother uh, an audience with any of the other recruiters. And um, a funny story when I was at MEPS before shipping off to boot camp, <laughs> I saw a guy there that was in the coast guard and he was kind of like, he, he somehow got lumped. He's the only coastie there and he got lumped with us. And he's like, I'm looking for the coast guard. And somebody pointed him and he walked off and I thought, Oh, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, oh, I remember that conversation with my dad. (laughs) Yeah. That was a a pretty good. I told you so moment when I told my dad about that, but um, you know, so, but yeah, Yeah. I, I joined and it's interesting because the the head recruiter of the recruiter station I had, he was at this unit that is called HMX1. And I didn't know what that was. He didn't mm-hmm. say the name of his unit. He just talked about all this cool stuff he did. HMX1, for anybody who doesn't know, it stands for Helicopter Marine Squadron Experimental. And then, um, excuse me. And it used to be uh, for a testing prototype, like uh, experimental helicopters. Um, but decades ago, it became the 
helicopter that transports the president. So that's a very long convoluted way to say it's the unit that flies the helicopter and the president. It's the unit that takes care of and has the president's helicopter. Marine One, right? Marine One. Yes. Thank you for uh, pulling that out of me. Um, So he, but he didn't say all that. He just talked about how, like I had a clearance. I was, I knew where the president was. I guarded the president, all this cool stuff. And he was an MP. And I said, I want to do that. And that is just an an absurd idea that I'm going to join, become an MP and go guard the president. Right. And, and go do that stuff. But that's what I had in my head. And I joined and, you know, I'm a man of faith. And this is one of those faith moments um, at MP school after boot camp and after combat training in MP school, I got selected to go to that unit. And that's what I did for the entirety of my, my service to the Marine Corps. I was at HMX one as a, as a guard. Super interesting. Super interesting. Cool. This is uh this may be a hallmark of this podcast because we've <laughs> we've had uh one guest, I don't know if you listened to uh, mm-hmm. to them, but um I believe it was Hugh Donnell who took care of the Sequoia, the president's boat, back oh. when the president had his own boat. Now you you served on mm-hmm. HMX one and a marine one right so that's really mm-hmm. really cool so you probably saw a lot of stuff you probably flew all over the place i mean how long did you do yeah. that then so my enlistment was for five years and i got there obviously after like boot camp and mct and mp school and all that i was probably there ballpark four and a half years mm-hmm. a little over four years something like that and um yeah i flew all over the place so i was i went from small town USA population, a thousand people, everybody thinks the same, everybody looks the same to traveling the world, uh, accompanied by the president, New York city, one weekend, Vegas, another weekend, Thailand, another weekend going to across, like literally across the globe. And that was just such, and that, uh, that was just such an experience for me that I had wanted. I wanted, you know, I, I got my ticket out of my small town and basically saw the around the globe and I was, um, getting paid to do it. Um, so it was check too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) what's, that wasn't, you know, that was, uh, nothing, but, um, um, what was interesting though, is I also, the places I got to see the people that I got to meet. Um, and I also, I got to see a lot of places that you would never vacate to like anyone's gonna think a new york let's go plan a trip to new york city let's go plan a trip to bangkok or if you've got the funds and the resources but no one's gonna be like hey let's go to toledo ohio you know and and some or a small town small suburban town out in the middle of and just see a different part of the united states um so that was actually very interesting just to see um a lot of the uh, less mentioned places throughout our country that I got to see a lot of. And when you, when you travel so much and you see so many different people, it's, it's almost like it's, it's very similar to other places than, you know, like we're a lot alike, you know, it's just different skin, different skins, not, not skin like on my body, but you know, like, Oh yeah. Right. Uh, Different surroundings. Right. Yeah. Like Toledo is different than, you know, my hometown, Edinburgh, Pennsylvania, even though it's only, you know, three hours away. Right. So. Right. Right. And just seeing different versions of people like everywhere. There's like, a, you know, a residential and a city and a this. And here's like a recreational things to do. And just seeing different versions of that. It was very interesting, uh, juxtaposed to how I had grown up. And then and then obviously seeing the really well-known places like New York City. Uh, cool. Cool story is um, when we were in New York City, when I, I went there several times because uh, the president went there a lot. And oh, just for the listeners, I hadn't mentioned it was President Obama that I was okay. that was oh, in. Nice. he actually. Yeah. yeah, he actually got he actually got put in or, or elected into office the year that I uh, joined. So, you know, he the inauguration was in like January or whenever it is. And then I was at the unit that July, I think July 1st of 2009 was when I got there. And um you get to have a so beer he, with uh, them. Nah, uh, well, <laughs> are we off record? Are we recording right now? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. I did not get to have a beer with him, but um, I did get to go to uh, Camp David and see some places that some some other people mm. may not see. Right. And so that that was really unique experience. Um, but then there's a lot of like there was a lot of auxiliary collateral experiences that, um, like when I was in New York City. 
there's this uh, guy there. I don't remember his name, but I probably wouldn't mention it even if I did. But he was, um, he's, I don't know. He was somebody that was well-known, had a lot of money. He was just a rich guy. I, I forgot his name slips me, but he just loved, he just loved, he loved being able to support the Marines when we were in town. And so he would cater and he would kind of show up and say hi. And whenever people found out we were there, you know, we would let, um, uh, people like see the helicopter and like do a tour. It was obviously it was guarded and regulated and everything. Sell some memorabilia. And, you know, he would pop in and say, Hey, and my buddy got in talking to him one time and long story short, he knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. And he got us VIP tickets to go see a viewing of the Colbert report when the Colbert report was being filmed in New York city. And, um, so the next time we were in New York city, we got to go, I got to go see that. Um, and, yeah, li- little stuff like that happened. I also in New York City, I um I met one of the guys who was the he was a cook at the White House. So he was a naval cook and he was they they would also travel. Like the president has a lot of entourage and they they do stuff and he was there and I just kind of made friends with him and because of that, I was able to to um, go on a tour of the White House and see the West Wing and see the Oval Office and walk outside the Situation Room. And um, uh, so I'd been to the White House multiple times, and like I'd have friends come out of town and like go take them to go do that, you know, as a, as a um, because I knew that guy. So uh, re- really great. It was different <laughs> different than uh, like most Marines. Oh sure, get, yeah. Um, and I'm kind of skimming the surface for the benefits of it. There was a lot of con. Now it's been t- over ten years since I left, um, but a there little was a romanticized of- in the memory bank. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> this I, I almost feel like when people say, "How did you like it?" or "What did you do?" I almost feel like because a lot of people in the unit and they don't like it. A lot of people go and they suffer depression, and um, mm. and this is this is kind of a broad general statement that there's a lot of suicide and attempted suicide in um the military all over the place and our our even our unit was no stranger to um such tragedies Hmm. and um and so it's something that we all know about and it's um again this was like a long time ago but you know there's there's still stuff with depression and there's there's it's it's not all rainbows and sunshine it's a lot of it is hard work and a lot of it is accountability and being on your toes um not necessarily at anyone's fault but um uh and i just say that as a disclaimer it's not like i was just rolling like a celebrity walking around or or flying around like oh it's just all it's all cakes and roses it's i i've always had this view of life that i just i look at it i don't think i'm optimistic i just think i look at the bright side of realistic and i i like people say is the glass thank you yeah Yeah. um, people have asked like is the glass half full or is the glass half empty and i think the glass is completely full half air half water and we need both um and so my view, I, I had the best of it. If I was working several days in a row and hadn't had any off time, I had a smile on my face and I, I knew it was an experience that I wasn't going to get. So uh, get after I got out, which kind of <laughs> then began, then uh, the struggle really endured after getting out of the Marines. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. But, yeah. So yeah, this is really interesting, Butler. I mean, in, in, I don't know if you used that phrase before. It sounds like you may have, but it's a beautiful phrase. And I love the, you know, it's not half full or half empty. It's completely full with water and air. And, you know, we all just need to get along, you know, that type of thing. So so you mentioned the the mental health aspect, probably a lot of hurry up and wait, but certainly mm-hmm. high pressure. It'll be spit and polish every single time. Everybody's showing up high profile. Plus, I suspect you got some sort of additional training to work with the Secret Service or the FBI or, you know, whatever else Mm -hmm. goes on there because, you know, you're not officially part of the Secret Service, but you're also there as protection for the president. So very cool. Very cool. Okay, so and that led you once you once you got out, you were a Marine that had been in the MX one unit and you're like, man, I got all these skills. I, I flew with the president and did anybody say, Oh yeah, come on, come on. We need that. Well, <laughs> you like I got to retool a little bit here and, and figure I, out my yeah. program. Again, my answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, disclaimer. Yeah. People in that unit are highly, highly vetted for our, our kind of, in order to be part of that unit, you have to go through rigorous, 
I mean, really rigorous and in-depth background check and mental health checks. And, and um, it's in order to qualify for the clearances and make sure you can perform the job. I think, I mean, this is very ballpark estimate and over 10 years ago, 15 years ago, since I joined the the Marines, but I think there was like around ballpark four to 600 Marines and they picked like, I don't know, 20 of us maybe. So it's, there's a very heavy refinement process. Mm. Um, and that was from the schoolhouse. That was from when they came to recruit at the schoolhouse. Um, uh, so they definitely do their work to make sure people are properly vetted and, and that it's something that could be, and it's, it's, it's an, an it's an admirer, an admirable unit to see the inside of, but yeah, getting out there's, there's like this pressure that I have this clearance. I have this on my, on my background. Mm. I need to capitalize on it. I did not know how to do that when I got out and I did not know how to handle life well. And so, as I said, my initial, what got me interested in the Marines was this could pay for film school. This could help me do that dream. I had lost sight of that at some point. And um, another uh, very strong man of faith that was in my unit with me, he said, hey, don't let this unit be a dream killer for you. Like a lot of people, they get this clearance. They think they have to go join secret service. They have to go for, work for uh, FBI. They, they kind of feel like they natural- have to. Parlay of that skill set. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're already like kind of qualified. You're you're kind of a shoe in to get entry level positions, other places. And that just really seemed like a divine appointment to me because this guy didn't, this is like the first time he spoke to me and he didn't know anything about my background. So he didn't have a reason to think that, but he, he gave me that advice and I kind of thought, you know, I, I joined to go to film school, to produce this, you know, to go to college and to like really go see the world on my own terms. I need to, so I kind of switched. And then I I gave my life to the Lord while I was in the Marines. I, I had mm. always been a believer, but never a follower, but I decided to get really serious about my faith. And I had this at nobody's fault, but my own, I had this corrupt thought come in that says, I can't go pursue my dreams. I need to, that's not uh, humble. That's not serving God correctly. I need to just do, I just need to be humble and just like work a job and go to church and be good and all this. That's, I was, I was thinking I'm being too vain to, too selfish to go after, which was not true. It's not God's fault. It's not the Bible's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. My own It's just, you know, being immature and not being able to handle strong convictions like I had. Mm. And, um, so I got out and I just really suppressed that thought. And so when you, the, you know, the military has a very, uh, very known reputation for maturing people. It's like, oh, it's, it'll grow you up in no time. It'll be very mature. And it's absolutely true. But there's also some areas I experienced that it actually uh, inhibited me from growing up. One of those being that I didn't know how to make my own decisions. I didn't know how. Uh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. You're always told where to be and what time and what, you know, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Because when you, when you grow up and you're a kid, your formative years, your parents tell you what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. And then, and then you go to school and you're told what you're going to do and what you're going to study. And then I went from that to the Marines and they continued to just, so I, I would imagine that a, a young person getting out of high school, going into college or going straight to the workforce, they develop those skills to weigh what can I do a lot better than maybe somebody in the military does because mm, that might have been I, a sim- symptom of, of the, uh, the unit you were attached to as well, right? Because there's so, I mean, so much pressure uh, around the president and where it's going. So there's no deviation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's right. no deviation on the nuclear submarine either from the standards. <laughs> yeah. But or in a combat but, zone, yeah, right in a combat <laughs> zone. But uh, you know, the folks that that I have talked to and know, they tend to, in some of those situations, get decision making faster leadership faster mm. so I'm, I'm i'm not saying that you know you're good bad or indifferent i i, I love your experience is your experience right? right and this is another unique uh component of this podcast so yes make you men resilience you know hard tough can get through anything but wait i've been told what to do for five years now mm-hmm. now i'm thinking about myself oh this is weird and scary now what do i do (laughs) so what'd you do what'd you do did you Um, turn to i mean clearly you turned to your faith 
I mean, are there mentors or people that you talk to, to or, or did you try to figure it out by yourself? Hey, a Marine, I can do this by myself, you know, that type of thing. Or, or how did you, how did you go from there? Yeah, it was, it was a different. So at first I thought I'm going to use a GI Bill to go to college. And I, um, I, I had this, you know, I, I did turn to my faith and I turned to like what was practical and wise. I don't think people in my life understood how incapable I, how crippled I felt with making a decision. I think that was kind of a knee problem. That was just okay. my experience. And so I didn't get a lot of mentorship in that area because I didn't, I kind of hit it. I didn't say, ah, I don't know you didn't do ask so for much. help. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that's, that was, that's been, just been kind of baked into my upbringing and then the Marines. And then, you know, I can, I can handle this, like you were saying. Totally and it. it was kind of like, I would just go in my behind closed doors and just, I'm a thinker, man. I am. A, I am a huge thinker. I, I never, it never turns tell. off. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I would just get back in behind closed doors and I'd find a solution, lay out the data. I can do this. I can do that. So when I would go to talk to my dad or my, my, my pastor, I wouldn't say I need help. I don't know. I would say, this is what I'm going to do, you know? And so it wasn't so obvious of maybe how bad I was struggling on the inside. Um, of course, if you if you looked at my resume, it would be like, man, this guy definitely doesn't know what he's going to do. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I, I just the only job I knew how to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. The only job I knew how to get was unskilled jobs working at a, a restaurant or working mm. as, a, as a valet or working. That's my grid for seeking employment was that of like a high schoolers with no skill. And I'm not trying to, to like um, say anything bad about those professions. That's just that's where my mindset was. Those very well, entry level. No, I, I think it's a common it's, it's probably yeah. it's probably a common reset, right? For um, either enlisted folks or officers. I mean, officers have different types of challenges, but particularly about uh, enlisted folks in the lower ranks uh, who just mm-hmm. told what to do. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, that's yeah, another yeah, element. Yeah, yeah. yeah. is yeah. I, I got out. I mean, I got out as an E four, which in the Marines is a non commissioned officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was like the last stint of that was towards the end, and it was. Um, you know, and then I got out, but, um, yeah, so I was, I, I, I was working, like, like I said, I worked valet for a little bit and then I worked like at a restaurant and I was, I was using the GI bill as a source of income. Cause you do go to stipend each month when you go. So it pays for school and you get some living money. to live Okay. Off of. I wasn't aware so, of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's a great benefit. Um, and I, <laughs> I, you know, people change majors once or twice. I changed majors. I changed schools. Did I? I eventually went through six different colleges before I finally got my finished my degree. So I had to sample a little bit of uh, several places. Gotta, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Gotta, I gotta, you know, cast my net and and <laughs> like, even though those times were very stressful, they were they they played a lot in contributing to who I am and what I know and how I can help people now. And I don't I don't necessarily. Uh, regret them. I think that my path was a bumpy one that I needed to go through. And um, yeah, so you asked what I did is I was going to college for a while and had the GI Bill and I was, it was just uh, so much stress in my head of it before I was very free and I was very, I could spend like any creative person. If I had an idea, I could just have clarity and spend all night working on this, maybe creative project or this plan. But every time I try to do that, like on a Saturday evening where I'm thinking I went, I was going to school for animation at first. That was my, my first stab at getting a degree. Okay. I went to school for animation yeah. collectively over two years. Um, and so I'd like, let me just hone the skill so I can get a good job. But I would just in my own behind closed doors, I would just have so much stress over me. Is this going to work? Is this worth it? I'm, Cause I'm, I'm an overthinker. And um, so it was hard for me to gain traction in, in an area, like as far as building like a job skill, um, but somewhere along the line, I got interested in web development and coding and making websites, which was very irrespective of anything I was doing. It was, uh, you know, I, again, I think it was the Lord speaking to my heart, kind of teasing me with, hey, you may need this later. And um, I uh, skipped forward. I eventually, I found my wife in Virginia and we got married very quickly. And then she wanted to go. She had been in Hawaii on and off throughout her life. Okay. Like she went there when her dad was stationed there. She went to college there for a little bit. So she wanted to move back to Hawaii and I like adventure. So let's go. We let's, we just got married. Let's just pack up and leave to Hawaii. What could go wrong? And, um, 
it was a, stress, it was a stressful year. Hawaii's expensive. There's a lot. <laughs> right. We don't know anybody. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, hey, I'm stressed. Let me just pour gasoline on this on this fire. And, and the, the thing is, I look back, it could have been a beautiful time if I would have let it been, but I was so worried about, I was so worried about the future. It kept me from enjoying my present. And I don't know how much of that is a result of my time in the Marines versus just who I am as a person. I think a lot of these struggles I probably would have had to gone through anyway. Mm. Um, um, but then I, I started, I remember I was ended up, I, I got out of the Marines when I was 23 and uh, then got married at 26 and I'm um, yeah, 26. And then when I was 27, I was in Hawaii and I was working at this restaurant and I thought I am back at a restaurant again. And I was burning out of my GI bill. So I stopped going and I was just working there. And I remember my, I had a, one of my coworkers, he was 17 and he had dropped out of high school. And he had told me one time, he said, man, I'm going to go get my GED. Then I could get a good job. And I just realized I'm in the same place as him. Here I am a Marine Corps veteran who is trusted with shaking friends with the has shaking hands with the president while carrying a loaded weapon, coordinating with secret service. And now here I am, I'm in the same boat of like a 17 year old who has no life experience yet. And that was very sobering. I thought, and I thought I've done this to myself. This isn't, no one did this to me. <laughs> I can't go point fingers and blame. And if I don't change it, this is going to be my life. And uh, that's just so a, a moment of clarity and, in and yeah. solid reflection and yeah, like, Hey, I, I got to do something different here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a lifestyle I didn't want. And I, I remember mopping the floor. I remember, I vividly remember the the mop on the floor while I was having this thought. Um, and I thought, you know, I didn't think I was smart enough to really become a software engineer and to learn how to code. I had played with the idea of learning how to code. Like I kind of teased with it made some this and that. Um, but I had imposter syndrome. And I didn't think I was smart enough. But at that point, I thought, you know, what? it doesn't matter if I'm smart enough. I have to do something. I have to learn a skill and I can't think of anything else that I want to do. So I entered into a new season of struggle, and that is teaching yourself how to become a computer programmer or a web developer. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's such a struggle if you don't have um, guidance is because you don't know if anything that you're doing is going to be worth your time. Is this coding language still used? Is the framework needed for this coding language popular? Okay, I like this one, but can I get a job with it? How does it pay? What's the career growth? Then you're just doubting yourself every second of the way. And the but, world is changing faster and faster. Yes. And even today, and I, but when you were doing it, that's when web design was kind of new-ish, right? Or just getting, yeah, it yeah. was it was I picked up right after it started to shift to be so web design was a certain way kind of locked in for, I mean, it was evolving and everything, but okay. it was done a certain way and kind of like web development 101 to learn how to do it this way. And I joined kind of right after that started to shift into a new paradigm of how websites are built and how different. And so a lot of the entry level stuff I was learning was not what the pros were doing. And uh. so it was, and then, so that just added more to that, but I, I just had this drive. I thought if I don't, if I don't push through this, I need to take my time. If I don't push through this, then I, my life isn't going to change. So I either need to accept where my life is at, or I need to push through this and find some job skill. And I remember we left Hawaii and we moved back to Virginia at the beginning of 2018, because that's been my solution uh, for the longest time was, Hey, life is hard. I'll move. That'll make it better. Uh <laughs> And I, this is no lie. I have moved every year since leaving the Marines. I have uh, moved either changing state or at least changing house. Um, and so that pattern is still going. And my wife and I, we joke about it. Um, but now it's a little more intentional and planned and we have purpose behind it. It's not because it's not a solution to our problems anymore. <laughs> With a young family, you know, they, yeah, yeah, we got they, they appreciate the stability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm with you. And so I moved there in 2018 and I just had this, I just had this faith that was completely unmerited that it's going to work out. I just, um, I really felt like God was showing me images of uh, the freedom of an ocean, which to me in my mind symbolizes freedom and peace, which was not something that I had in my, in my head up to that point. And I ended up after a few months, um, got my first job in the tech world and the recruiter called me 
I, you know, I, I got some resume help. I was putting my resume out here and there. I could do a little bit of coding. I had a little bit of, you know, Photoshop skills and um, I got a job. I remember it was advertised for $16 an hour and I got the job for $15 an hour because I didn't have a degree. Now the job, I, I the recruiter contacted me because my resume was out there about two different jobs. They both, at least one of them required a, a degree. And I was, I almost didn't even go to the interview. I told my wife, I said, I can't, there's no point in me going. I'm just I'm wasting my time. And she, this is, this is what's great about having a good woman uh, is she said, just go. And I went anyway, ended up getting the job. And it was a, as a testimony of itself. And I remember the recruiter called me and she said, listen, they, um, they, I was hoping I was praying for $10 an hour, a job at $10. I almost took a job as a stock stocking a restaurant for $10 an hour, just because it was sur- survival at that point. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it had just, benefits. Yeah. Yeah. And she told me, she told me, listen, they're only going to offer you $15 an hour. Is that okay? I'm about to do a backflip. I'll take anything. And I, was, <laughs> I, I said, uh, trying I to contain your enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we, we, we can do that. That'll work. I was over the moon and um, I got that job. And then I'll just kind of skip forward um, my tech career. I, I worked my butt off. I worked through lunch. I showed up early. I, I really mm. applied myself. Didn't complain about anything. I'm, I'm I, when I go to work. I'm friends with the person that people don't like. I'm friends with you know. I I find that they like them. Everybody has value. Everybody has God given purpose and value. Everyone, you know. And For taking sure. that attitude and working your butt off. I, the recruiting agency actually waived their fee. I think to to so that I could get hired on as a contractor directly and make more money. They kind of did it just as they were so happy with my performance, which is unheard of. Uh, Work and, ethic um, counts, and being nice to people, being kind <laughs> yeah. also counts. Yes, for it's sure. Some something my dad told me. He said if you just if you just show up and do the bare minimum, a lot of times that's more than most people do. And if you have a smile on your face, then you're like you're you're you know. <laughs> way, way above. And so, excuse me, uh, just kind of skip forward within like a year and a half. I, sorry. No, Loud it's car on the highway. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Totally. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll cut this out. I, I would enjoy learning how you met your wife too, because of this, I can, yeah, I can go. Uh, to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, all these, um, sort of inflection points that you're talking about, you know, things that are being sort of presented to you in the memory of the mop and, you know, this goes way beyond the podcast. I'm just, you know, interested. In, yeah, yeah. In I, how if I'm, it all, if I'm it's a track, great story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I get off track, feel free to bring me back in. I'm going to rope it back to like a military experience here in a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll, we let we left off uh, where uh, you were getting um, paid fifteen dollars an hour, and you were yeah. over the moon, and then you were working hard, and you're like, what does it? What would you attribute that? to your your work ethic like your upbringing as a, a kid in alabama or did the marines help instill some some discipline or, or you know where where did you get that piece it's of it? definitely yeah that's a good question it's definitely the nature of my parents you know okay. um, yep. and the way the way that my uh my mom and dad are both incredibly hard workers um and uh, even now my mom says she's retired. And every time I call her, she's like, I- I've been working 18 days straight. I'm like, mommy, I don't think you know what retired means. Um, and my, well, she my has purpose, just, right? I mean, yeah, yeah you got to have purpose whether you call yourself retired or not. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And, and my dad's the same way. I call him up and he's like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm out here working, like building a shed, putting up fence and running the tractor. I'm like, dad, that, you, you don't know, you don't know how to be retired. You need to, yeah. and, uh, so uh, it's it's definitely them, and then hang on, there's a siren going by. I don't know if you can hear it, but yeah, I can hear it. It's it's okay. okay. I, I had my dog scratching his his yeah. collar a little bit ago, but uh, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So they 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 have incredible work ethic, and and their their nature of doing stuff without complaining was something that was instilled in me and kind of expected of mm-hmm. me. And never, I don't know if they ever said that. That's just. That's just the way they were. You modeled, they the modeled it and then you model it as, yeah. as, as your example. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they'll yeah. be happy to hear that on this podcast. That's very, that's <laughs> yeah. nice. It makes parents feel, feel especially proud. So yeah. So then you went in the Marines. Yep. And then it just amplified. Right. Okay, and yeah. then 
when I got, and also it got amplified of the years I had with, with no prospects, no guarantee of career, career, no path, like not just having nothing for so long in that area. I thought I'm, I'm not screwing this up. So it just, it just really got amplified work ethic. And I just thought job security, I have to pour into this and it paid off. And, uh, I ended up uh, within a year and a half, my income tripled as I job hopped. And I was, then I was able to work from home. And so we were been able to travel to Hawaii. I went back and got my degree. I, I finally finished my degree at um, a great school called WGU. I don't mind giving them free promotion. They were, they did well by me. And uh, it was online so I could finish. Man, it was online. I, I, so you can take classes very quickly. And I, I remember to finish my degree, I, I just, I want to finish. I was right there at the end. I finished 11 college courses in like two and a half months. And oh my gosh. Wow. I, I, I went, Intense. I went all in and I yeah. said, I got to finish here. So I got my degree and now I have a beautiful career as a web developer and software engineer. And I'm at a place that I could um, pr- finally pursue my passion of filmmaking. And so I'm, I, uh, I'm actually planning on making, making my first feature film next year, uh, starting to shoot it. So between now and then I'll start making a couple of short films and Hey, if anybody wants to, uh, follow me on that journey, <laughs> you can go to, uh, sure, I'll follow you on that journey. Yeah. yeah hey, go to, uh, I sprint marathons.com. Then I should have a sign up page. I sprint marathons.com. And that, that's, right. I picked that name because that's kind of how I've approached life trying to sprint a marathon. So does require falling on your face a lot, but you get up and you just keep sprinting. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations on, on pulling yourself out of the the swirl of not being good enough, not knowing where to go, just focusing. Mm-hmm. So you stressing so much about the future, not even, you know, handling one foot in front of the other. I think that's, you know, this is a story of perseverance and uh, stick-to-itiveness and, if if you could tell your younger self, if you could give your younger self any advice to have maybe gotten you there a little bit faster, what would you say? Uh, that's a great question. I, I would tell my younger self a few things. I would say en- enjoy the stage that you're at. If I could go back and redo anything, I don't even know if I would make any different decisions. I would just not stress. I would just enjoy where I'm at. Mm. I've seen a lot of young people struggling with thinking about the future. The future is going to happen. It'll be here. Okay, don't worry. It'll get here. Just enjoy the stage you're at because it's not going to come back again. And I would also say, especially for somebody getting out of the military, as quick as you can get involved with an existing community. That's what I would say. And for me as a Christian, it's, it's could be maybe more simple. Just find a church that I, that I uh, like coincide with and get involved. Tell people how you feel. If you're struggling, tell people that you're struggling. Like there, it's an illusion that people in your life don't want to help you. That's an illusion. Mm. If, if you think that it might be because you're hiding it too well, that's at least been my experience. Talk to people, tell them what you're going through, find people you trust, find those people that are a little bit older than you. They just got out of the phase that you're entering in and they can mentor you find people who are much older, who have decades of wisdom. I would say having being involved in a community and having that, that support is non-negotiable, especially if you've been in the military military and you're used to like being in a brotherhood or a sisterhood. Um, and then uh, th- that would probably be the the two main things. And I would also say, don't, don't limit yourself on what you could do. Just be realistic on the timeline. I limited myself on pursuing my dreams of film, but if I would have just had a realistic view of it, instead of just saying, I can't do it, and uh, maybe I could do it on the side, save some, save some money. Find there's a path for you. There's a path to find your God-given purpose. You just got to believe it's there. So find a community, and you also mentioned moving back to Virginia or coming to Virginia and meeting your wife. So I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested in that story because it sounds like um, she has had a positive effect on your life, maybe a, a grounding. <laughs> that's what she tells me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, so I'm, I'm just interested because you had some of these 
I don't know if they're seminal moments, but cl- moments of clarity. Mm-hmm. You're you're mopping. You remember that like it was yeah. yesterday, right? Where where there's an inflection point in in either your thought process or your life, or that 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 got your attention. So, uh, tell me tell me about that if if you don't mind. Yeah, I, absolutely. I that was one of the biggest moments of um, clarity I had. It was November eighth at around twelve fifteen p.m. in chesapeake virginia just wow okay on a sunday so you remember that that finally, <laughs> that's when i met my wife um okay just and, after noon on a sunday in chesapeake in november yeah okay. in november 8th i i was going to this church and this is why it's good to be involved in a community uh i was i was going to, i was actually church hopping i was trying to find a church that i and i was going to this church and i i was not in the like habit of sticking with a church. I had never done that. And so even though I liked the people, I I never really wanted to go on Sunday and they would always ask me, I was like younger and they were like, most of the, most of them were like older, like my parents age at this church. I didn't know anyone. I went in there cold and they would always ask me to come to lunch. And then it's, it's kind of awkward. Cause I didn't know, are they, sometimes they would buy my lunch and are they going to pay? I don't have a lot of money. And this, and it was just <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, are you inviting me? Cause you're going to pay. Cause you do that sometimes. But if you're not, I'm going to say no, cause I'm broke. And I didn't want to go. Um, I was going to, I going to college at the time. I didn't want to go, but I woke up and I was like, ah, begrudgingly, I said, I need to go. So those people don't think I've just left them like, you know, a sense of duty. And I went and the pastor said, uh, (laughs) he said, all of you came here for a reason. You need something and you came here because you wanted that something. Take a moment and ask the Lord to meet that need. And I was like, I didn't want to come here. This is like exposing (laughs) me right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought, God, I said, well, you know what? Maybe my need is I need to figure out why I came here today. Maybe that's my need. And so I just said a simple prayer. I said, Lord, just tell me why I'm here today. And again, you may not believe me. People may not believe me. I swear he spoke. I heard so clearly you came here to meet your wife. I just heard that in my head. And I thought, okay, you know, the Lord must not be in this church because I'm basically the youngest person's old enough to be like my auntie. Right. And so, <laughs> at best, right. And so I'm just being honest. And, uh, and, and uh, most everybody, I was like, this, I need to talk to the pastor because the Lord's obviously not in this church. Yeah. Uh, right. But, but no, I just had that thought in my head and I thought, I don't know. And I look back and I see this woman, this beautiful woman about the same age as me. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And I had decided if these folks asked me to go to lunch with them, I'm simply going to say no. I'm going to say I got schoolwork to do. I'm going to say no. Ends up I had made friends with, I didn't know, was her stepdad. And he invited me, he introduced, he introduced me to his stepdaughter and invited me to go to lunch. And I immediately said, yes, I'm wide open for today. And we met and that's, you know, um, three months later, I asked her to marry me. And a few months after that, we got married and that's my wife and we got two kids now. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That's that's incredible. And it was, it was as, as interesting as I thought it would be. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I I like sharing that story and it was, I wish, you know, there's a lot of maturing I had to do and I wasn't as uh, good of a husband as I could be in some areas, but we're here and we're learning and we're growing. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good year. I, I feel, um, uh, I feel like we're, you know, we're mo- we're moving together as a as a married couple and a young family, figuring out life. And I feel like I've gotten through a lot of the issues that I, I had to deal with before. Fantastic. Well, I mean, these are all levels of, uh, I guess what um, what some people would call, it, you know, evolution, right? Evolutionary levels or maturity or or whatever, and and leveling up is, I think, important. It's hard to tell when you're at a lower level but you definitely know when you've made it to a higher level <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, i think that good, good I, I think life partnership um in kids and the commitment has a way of changing folks and helping them perhaps or, or not i mean pushing them away in the negative sense but in positive sense helping them get to the the next level on you know respect and care for their words and i mean when kids are little mirrors of yourself Mm -hmm. it's it's hard not to pay attention to to what you say all the time so that's fantastic i'm really glad to hear that i'm glad you made it through to where you're at today and and you're you know you're getting ready to 
what produce a movie is that what you said direct or yeah. produce or um, yeah right direct produce some um, it's it's going to be an independent film obviously so uh, i actually uh, just wrapped up one month of acting class and I, I did a little bit of like film editing and I have my animation background like years ago. And so I've done a lot of research. I've got the equipment. I'm going to film a few shorts. I'm actually going to film a short film kind of episodic content with my coworkers um, in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a little short film. It's going to be, um, it's going to be, I think I'm going to call it Govies. It's about people working in like a cleared, like a clearance, government clearance, kind of kind of like the office, but for oh, okay. government cleared people. Interesting. Yeah, and, that could be fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the beginning, I've just got time to do little short, you know, two, two to 10 minute little skits here and there. And that's basically going to be my learning process. And then next year, I'm going to film a feature length film and produce and put it, I don't know, either do the film festival circuit, try to get on Netflix. That's kind of where my ambition is. And um, so I'm doing another uh, career transition, but but this time I have a lot of tools and maturity I didn't have the first time. And so um, that's, well, clearly, that's good. Yeah. Well, you've gone from, I don't know what's going to happen. The future looks so dark. I'm, I'm not talented enough to planning out your learning experiences. You're playing, you're planning <laughs> yeah. out the shorts, which, and you're saying, Hey, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to learn from that. That's going to get me to the next level. It'll be okay. The future is going to get here. All good. So, and the Marines have really, being in the Marines inadvertently has helped me because I've learned how to break into new industries. When I got, when mm -hmm. I went into the Marines, it was good dude going to boot camp and seeing drill instructors after watching full metal jacket and seeing and all the stigma and all this stuff, I was terrified. And so, <laughs> right. and it's I think just, that's a common even, theme. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I was, I was just so, I was terrified of drill instructors. I, and I, I was so timid and breaking through and people, you know, you tell them at boot camp, you got to do this, you got to do that. And they would ask me like, how do you do that? How'd you, how'd you get through that? I'm like, what do you mean, how? I, I didn't have a choice. Right. <laughs> it's really easy when your back's against nothing, going down a rappel tower, learning how to do that. And um, and then getting out of the Marines, I learned how to break into civilian life and a confusing, a very confusing, stressful version of civilian life. And then I learned how to break out of that into the tech industry. And I'm using those experience to, I, I realize now I can break into the film industry. I, I know how to do that. Just like I broke into the military industry, I got into the clear world. And then I was able to transition and, uh, you know, effectively, I, I, I have everything I need to move forward. So, and, and, uh, so yeah, it's it's much better. I, I know you're about to ask me a question, but I thought of a funny. I know I've talked oh, a lot about you, life after you're, the you're good, man. Keep rolling. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a funny little anecdote or story from when I was in the Marines. I actually got picked. So I was a military police. That was my MOS, uh, military occupational service. And um when you're an MP, the way it works in the Marines when I was in, you could uh kind of try to become a canine, a military police canine handler. There's a lot of stuff you can do as an MP. You could be canine, you could be physical security, you could be like um uh what, what's what's it called? Like you could be SWAT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be SWAT, you could be yeah, exactly yeah. so all, all the stuff that's in like civilian different I say civilian military kind of an oxymoron, but non service yeah. and military police work. Um, yeah. 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 Everything that's in the police force out there in the world is also in available in the Marines and, uh, or the military. And so a canine spot came up to be a canine handler and I fought for it. And the second time I went on a canine board, I won. Then I became, a, I was a canine handler the last two years I was in the Marines. And so I am right. traveling the world, um, with my dog searching for explosives to make sure the president's helicopter is safe in a nutshell. That's, you know, some stuff I maybe put on my resume. And, um, uh, so, uh, one time I got to surf, uh, not surf one time I got to search, uh, air force one's luggage. That was pretty cool. And, um, coordinated with secret service. But I, the story I wanted to tell was when I was at canine school, uh, we go to canine school and the dogs that you train with at canine school, they're the ones that didn't make it in the actual police force. So they are also <laughs> <What>? characteristic. <laughs> so, okay. This is it's, new information for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's 
the canine world itself is a, I, I've been so blessed to get a, a window into these different worlds because every kind of discipline I've been in is a world that people could spend their whole life in. Right. I didn't mention it, but I was about that for sure. Cause oh, I, that's I, a I great go idea. see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah. People, that's a, that's a great idea. I've got some good <laughs> material and I didn't even mention that. I also did like uh, personal training and bodybuilding for a while. Cause hmm. that was, so I've just had these windows in these worlds, but the canine world is very, it's very exclusive and it's very like, uh, it's very brotherhood, sisterhood type of mentality, but yeah. So the dogs and a lot of, not, not a lot of people know about this world, but the, yeah, the dogs at Lackland air force base is where the training is for the military. They, yeah, they're the ones that didn't make it. And it could be for a lot of reasons. It could be because they weren't, um, smart enough. It could be because they were untrainable. It could be because they were too aggressive. So mm. I, one of the things you do as a canine handler is you, you write a record of every single day, every day you have to write a record of what you did with your dog or that you didn't do anything with your dog. Like he stayed in the kennels because, you know, it was off day or something every day it has to be, um, uh, recorded and what you did and what training you did and blah, blah, blah. And so part of becoming a canine handler is learning to do that. So before we got our dogs assigned to us, our training dogs, um, they, the instructors told the story about a kid, or I shouldn't say a kid, a soldier or a Marine who got his ear bitten off by a dog in the previous class. And they were like, it was kind of like your attention. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is why we have safety procedures. And you know, when he says that, you don't know if the story is made up, it could be, but the point is, it's kind of a scare tactic, but then he showed us pictures and I was like, okay, this really happened. So I thought, yeah, <laughs> make sure. And then we oh. all get, we all get the records for the dogs that we're going to be assigned to. They say, Hey, we're going to, you're going to get your dogs next week. Today's Friday or whatever day it was. This is your dog's training records for the last month, you know, read over them. And so you'll see how it's done and you'll know. So I'm reading my dog's records. So I'm at canine school. You can't wait to see your dog. And I'm reading and it's like, Oh, my dog's name is Ajax. Oh, on this day, Ajax, uh, you know, we trained, we did basic obedience. It was a good day on this day. We searched the building. It was a good day on this day. Ajax broke his chain and bit the ear off of another handler. Blah, blah. And I was like, oh, so you got the dog. The I got the dog <laughs> that bit the guy's ear off. That's hilarious. Yeah. And okay. he, he lived up to his reputation. Um, I'm, <laughs> he was, he was very fond of me, but very aggressive towards anybody else. And that's how wow. some, some dogs are like their handler could go up, you know, lick the face and pet good boy. Anybody else comes in there, you know, they'll bite your ear off. So German shepherd or. Beagle Belgian or Malinois. Rob- Belgian Malinois. Oh, oh so okay. I, gotcha. I love a Belgian Malinois, man. That's that's such a if if you get a Belgian Malinois as a pet, you just you need that's gonna be your thing for a while. You got these dogs need a lot of attention, <laughs> they need a yeah. lot of they have high drive, and and you don't want to you do not want to come across a, a mean one. <laughs> they yeah, the, but they're usually they're actually usually good natured. I ended up my the last dog I had when I went back to my unit and was assigned to was a Belgian Malinois. And he, I mean, he could, you know, sit in the lap of a toddler and play. And it was just the nicest, sweetest dog in the world, but he could flip that switch, man. And you did not want to be on the receiving end. He, he could, he could pull out the fangs and get scary when he had to. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a great story. So thank So you did that for two years with Ajax and, and did Ajax make the cut or did you, do you take them with you? No. So you if you, the the dogs that are at the school for training aids they they are there permanently they didn't make it they're there permanently ah, and see, oh here's I a see. fun tip any anybody in the in the nation can actually request to get a dog from Lackland um you don't have to be military or prior the way it works this yeah this could could be a good tip for someone is um the way it typically works with a service dog that's in the fleet that's actually like a real out there doing the job Whenever they come to retire, if they're not overly aggressive, they have to pass a test to make sure they're safe to go out there in public. Then the rule of thumb is the last handler that handles them has has first pick to adopt the dog. Okay. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise it's kind of, you know, if you know somebody, you can get one of those dogs. If like we had a dog at our that we got at our kennels while I was in, that after we got him, we found out he had a medical thing on his spine that prevented him from continuing being a dog, but was totally fine as a house pet. And mm-hmm. because somebody that knew somebody got him and they got this very well-trained, obedient, sweet dog that, uh, but so 
you got to kind of know somebody to do that. But anybody, last I remember, can go to Lackland. I don't know what the website is. And there's a sign up list. And if they, and you can sign up to get one of their dogs that got rejected from training. And oh, they're wow. not going to give you one. They're not going to give you one that's like aggressive. They, they don't, they don't let those out. They either stay there or, you know, we'll just leave it at that. But, um, right, 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 right. Uh, well, so, what yeah. a good tip. Yeah. I mean, these are things that nobody knows, right? Unless they've actually done it and have yeah, been around these types of dogs. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, we're dog lovers and, um, you know, we've got a sweet dog, but, you know, you never know. People, there are a lot of people out there and, and you know, dogs need homes, right? So, yeah. And I'm, I'm yeah. interested to see on, um, what the what the web their website traffic is going to get after this podcast episode airs if it's <laughs> everybody trying to find where they're gonna be like gonna i don't know what happened but all of a sudden it must be our marketing <laughs> yeah yeah what we're doing it's <laughs> right marketing program really worked yeah exactly. but uh anyway we can help yeah for sure so hey we're winding uh down here on our hour butler i want to be uh really respectful for your time these have been the fantastic stories and you you've given us a lot is there anything that we didn't cover today that you'd like to relate to listeners either vets or those looking to connect with them um that, that's a that's a good question i would say i would say i have like it's, it's very general i wish i could sit down one-on-one i like being one-on-one with people but you know sure. what it's actually good advice. Hang in there, believe in yourself, whether you stay in the military or whether you get out of the military or whether you're listening to this and you're a civilian, believe in yourself, hang in there. You've got a purpose. And that's kind of my general advice. And I want to give one last tip I, I wanted to cover that I forgot about is sure. I've been through the circuit of VA benefits, like having a service, having a service connected disability and also going to get benefits and the VA benefits are remarkable on what we, it's, we, we should be very thankful that we get what we get, right? Even though it's very hard to deal with the VA sometimes, uh, those stories I won't tell, but sure, <laughs> we, sure. we do, we're entitled as veterans, especially service connected, we're entitled to benefits and you should go out there and you should get them. But I just like, one thing I would remind myself is I saw VA benefits as a tool to not need VA benefits anymore. It's so I, I saw people when I would go to wait in line to apply for voc rehab or, or GI bill or making up, making a claim. And I would see people who had been out of the military for decades. And I could tell car driving by, I'll pick it up right where I was after this car goes by. I could tell that they just keep coming back and, I think it's important. We we need to ca- get whatever we can out of our VA benefits, but we shouldn't depend on them for like for living our life for us. To where mm. if I don't get these benefits, I'm not going to make it. I've gotten denied benefits that I felt like I should have gotten, and I didn't. I like right now. I because of my service rating disability and because of I got into the I'm in the VA healthcare system, and I could go to any VA hospital. 100% free, no copay and get treatment and all that. I don't use it. It helps me for a time, but I now have benefits through my job like like any other person and I and they're much better. I can go to any doctor that's not tied to the military. So, I just want to encourage people use the BA benefits to become independent and be the person that you can mm. be. Let's it's not it's not, you know, it's kind of like cutting the umbilical cord. Some people don't have the luxury of that. If you've gotten so obviously so um, hurt that you, and so I, I don't want to be insensitive to that, but um, at the same time, you know, we got to give ourselves credit and, and kind of detach from that. And we can become independent. We could use the VA to launch us out of that, that mindset where we don't have to struggle. We don't have to struggle year after year. We don't have to. Oh, I think that's, that's great advice. Thank you. Well, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, there there are even people who have been veterans. If if they haven't been in combat, they you know I've heard people say, "Well, I don't consider myself a veteran," or or mm-hmm. they were in uh, for a short short period of time. Man, if they've been in for one day, they qualify as a veteran. Maybe not for VA benefits, you know, to, the, you to the level, but. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a mindset shift. This has really been interesting. I mean, you've taught me several things I, I mean i really like so the marine reference in having 
confidence in yourself to break through to the next thing. It's not going to kill me. Hell, I was in the Marines. That didn't kill me. So I'm I'm going to break through this wall to get to this career path or I'm going to figure mm-hmm. it out and I'm going to get so so I think that's that's really really important your reference to your parents and the work ethic and the positivity and 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 really just uh focusing on the present instead of ruminating over the future that has yet to get here right so so I think this has been a, a great time together I I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and help us on this mission. So how can folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more or, or have a one-on-one conversation? You mentioned your uh, website, which is I sprint marathons, right? (laughs) I I sprint marathons.com. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not on social media yet, but I plan. So right now the best way to get a hold of me, connect with me, would be going to my website, iSprintMarathons.com, put in your email. And then when I, you, you'll get updates about the movie, but you'll also, I'm eventually going to start like a social media presence, a way I can have like two-way connections, not just one way. And I'll launch it through there. So that would be the best way. Fantastic. Fantastic. You, like many of, of our other guests and most of the veterans that I've met, uh, seem willing to help and talk to people who are having a challenging Absolutely. time to to give them some advice. So your time here too, in the recording of this podcast will be quite helpful. So just a quick note to our listeners that we're seeking uh, both women veterans, as well as recently transitioned vets to round out our guest list. Now Butler's more recently transitioned than, than most of our guests have been so far, but yeah, feel free to contact Mobius or contact me on LinkedIn and we'll try to get you on the show. Actually, Butler, you contacted me via LinkedIn and, and we had a, we had just quick uh, get to know you call and here you are on the podcast. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty effective. And I encourage anybody to reach out if they'd like to tell their story. So thank you, Butler. And thank you, Mobius for providing this platform to help both transitioning vets, as well as those looking to hire them in the field of maintenance and reliability. Rock and roll. Bebe Vino out. Thank you, man. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Veterans Connected. We will see you back for another episode very soon. In between, we hope to see you in the Veterans Connected community group where you can meet Eric and fellow podcast guests and share with other industry veterans at MobiusConnect.com. And we hope to see you there.